Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831-20. episode of the witching hour you know me i'm perry and this is Haley, and we are beyond thrilled and honored to be part of Nightstream this year it is a huge thrill to be here but in particular it's a real treat that we get to have this conversation with the team behind dinner in america we have director adam carter raymeyer here wow great and all, did I, okay. I said i know i said yeah. it right <laughs> I, I'm, very, I'm very big on pronunciations, and I don't let really myself good. get out of it. Really we good. also have Emily Skeggs and Kyle Gallner. Uh, How are you guys doing? Gallner. 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 Because oh. I think, <laughs> wait, I'm not going to point a finger right now. But no, nobody says Gallner. it right. Everybody calls me. Everybody calls me Gallner. I call him Gallner. Kyle Gallbladder is what I say usually. Everybody calls him Gallner. It's funny. The the truth of the matter is, in the last, like, year or two, someone else said Gallner, and I panicked. Everybody calls me Gallner. People probably have a hard time with your last name, too, huh, Adam? Yeah. Oh, God. It's horrible. That was like, Perry got it, smoked it on the first one. I was like, (laughs) all right. The only reason I said anything is because my mom, my mom this year was like, you have to start telling people your last name. (laughs) Okay. I feel like the weird thing is I usually get like people can say Perry, but then they're like, what is Perry short for? I'm like, what would Perry be short for? Yeah. Perry Winkle. Perry A. Perry Winkle. I was named after my mother's favorite water. I'm I'm I was gonna say I'm gonna adopt that and pretend that's my truth, but I don't want to. Yeah, no, uh, I like Perry. I think Perry's a great name. There's nothing wrong with that, right, Emily? Wait, There's Perry Winkle. Yeah, okay. yeah, Perry Winkle is one that I will accept. I love that. <laughs> so, enough enough about name mispronunciations. We have a great movie to celebrate right here. Um, I wanted to start by asking you guys about your experience at Sundance. And one of the things, because I watched a lot of your interviews to uh, to prep for our episode here, I don't think I got more laughs than watching you guys have to give a synopsis at every single stop along the press tour. And you guys <laughs> Emily, do it. Do it, good. Emily. Do it, Emily. Do it like we used to. Do it. You're the best. I, it. What, I what, haven't what? done it in so long. I know, but riff it. All right. Renegade Dinner in America love. is a, a renegade love story about two misfits who find each other and themselves through music. Dude, you, I can't believe you remembered that. I, I love that. Either. I love that so much, Emily. I love it when you do it. Hold that, that out. Very, very impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much. So what was the experience like after after Sundance? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, do you guys have distribution yet? Not currently. Now we're sorting through. We're sorting through that. It's been really crazy in COVID. Um, just like figuring that out, what that looks like. Uh, yeah, go ahead. But is it is it safe to assume that the positive response at Sundance kind of got the ball the ball rolling in a good oh, way for you guys? One hundred percent. Oh, one hundred percent. No, that like, and it really hasn't stopped. I mean, what 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 sucked was the period between March and you know august it was like the bulk of like all the genre stuff i was super excited for the genre crowd to see this film because like i i just feel like it it, i knew it was going to resonate like um you know 
especially Patty, I think, you know, I mean, Simon, Simon does, but it's a torch passing, you know, to Patty in this film. So I, I was excited for the genre crowd to, to see that and see that transformation with Patty. And I think the most exciting thing about being at Sundance was just being able to see the movie with people because it's such a movie that you want to see in the theaters. Like Adam is so meticulous about the way he edited the sound and and everything. And it's just, uh, it deserves to be in a theater. So it's a little bit tough right now, I think. Oh, hundred percent. That was the most disappointing part. Like having done so many screenings with, um, you know, human beings and like in the live in the audience. And then you're, then you're that's like taken away that part was that part was hard because it it is a very fun communal experience yeah with the positive that i obviously i saw it at uh, fantasia and i had to watch it at home and it like gave me joy in a joyless time which was very appreciated oh. even if i was solo great that's, that's really awesome thank you that. Also, think about all of the families in lockdown where you're going to have multiple generations watching your movie and <laughs> generations that you wouldn't think it was for because I loved the movie. I feel like I'm in the, the target audience for it. My parents are not. And I'm right. warning to anybody out there who watches this movie with your parents, you might feel <laughs> awkward for some of it, but your parents are going to like it. It's really funny. That really was one of the things that was so surprising. I mean, it, it was, it was, it really, really resonates with an older audience. Like it was kind of, you know, there was this one screening where I sat down next to Emily and I look in front of me and I'm like, holy shit, these women are like 70 years old yeah, and, and they're here and they're like, they were literally like talking about like buying granola. I mean, <laughs> it was like this crazy thing i was like oh no and then at the end of it you just see like their silhouettes turn to each other and the this one woman looked at the other one and went i loved that so much and you're just kind of like taken back like wow this really hits a lot of different demographics it's pretty there's a real love story in there and there's real love between kyle and emily and that that is what's important in this is the the that energy going into it and that energy when you make it um you can't fake it you know it's you can't fake that love so that's off to my my two beauties because uh they they knocked it out of the park and they made it you know so i couldn't see the characters in another way, they came in and uh, made the took took these words, but they made it their own. They made it their own thing that they lived and they breathed, and it was it was created and put out, and uh, you know, and then I cut it. But uh, but the energy was just you know between the two of them was you know what you hope for when you do something like this. So that's what I think. That's what people you know. Now that I've had a time to analyze it a bit. I feel like that's what people, um, you know, resonates with them. Uh, you have obviously the really harsher elements of the film that are like hearing a shock, you know, uh, let's say, let's just say it's your parents and they may not be interested in the music that you listen to. It, 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 there is a exterior to it, a harshness to it, possibly if that's your thing. And then behind it is a deeper message. So that part is the cool surprising part because it goes just long enough and just teeters to where we almost it almost derails and then it like shifts into something else so that's a lot of fun to uh construct that and to think about that and uh you know certainly with actors like emily and kyle um they just they humanize it in such a way that it's believable and you create this this you know kind of parallel universe thing but we're tethered to it. You know, it's, um, it was a lot of fun. When you are trying to acquire financing for something like this, and I know you have a great producing team at your back, but did you ever run into, I don't know, the risk or concern of somebody reading only the first couple of pages and being like, these characters aren't likable and worrying that they're not going to continue on because I feel I feel like that's why my family loved it is because they were open minded. They met them at the beginning and then they experienced this journey with them. Yeah, this was a hard film to put together. It was very hard and very difficult. But, you know, you 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 have, some, you know, 
also too, I feel like it's, uh, it's authentic. It's authentic of the times too. So it, it, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you do something, I feel like polarizing in some ways, you're on the right path. You know, if it's it, it could, it's hit or miss with people. I mean, that's the, the space that I like that I'm most comfortable kind of working in. So I feel like you, you've got to push things. You got to push yourself a little bit. So, uh, but I, I think, you know, I think my, I think the dialogue is very grounded in reality. So. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. It's not even just the script. We had people leave, you know, the first 15 minutes in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. because of, because of the first 15 minutes, but I have a feeling some of those people will probably come back and give it another shot now that they've heard, you know, mm-hmm. positive things about the film that it's like, it's it's kind of like these characters. It's like nobody actually gives them a chance, you know, like nobody really gives them a shot. And then it's it's kind of, you know, like the people who walk out on the movie. It's like they're doing the same thing, you know. It is. It's a harsh first 15. I mean, it, it really is. But it's like, but it's a very real 15. I you're not in the you're not in the same place when you end the film. The characters have grown quite a bit. So it's it's a you know, it's a, I would always argue that you can't have a transformation without transforming from something. So you can't really have that resolution without a starting point. That's, that's very different. I agree. And I feel like if you don't see the shit Patty really has to deal with in a very, very real way, you know, cause you have people who come out and are like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Or it's so over the top or it's so whatever. But then you cut to these Q and A's and people raise their hands and they're like, that was me every day on the bus. Yeah. Yeah, you so know, fuck that noise, because that, that, that is the truth. Nice that, that guy's reality wasn't yeah. that, but it doesn't mean that that person's reality was not. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, we get a lot of that. I mean, I get, I, 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 I could, there's been over a hundred plus people that have come up to me at the screenings and said, that was me at that bus stop. That was me. You know, I was, I was that girl on the bus. Like it, so that part, you know, it's nice to, I think, have a resolution like we have at the end of this um film it's really encouraging to hear that it's cathartic for people to to watch this movie and that it's it's also encouraging for me to hear that it's uncomfortable because i think we should be uncomfortable with like people being treated that way and so i want people to sit through that first 15 minutes because i sat through like years of my life in that spot you know so for me patty's super personal she's She's a version of me that uh, had I not had like amazing parents and really cool friends and teachers that saw like where they could help me and push me and guide me and um, parents that supported my passions. I I could see myself being in a very similar place as Patty. So, um, but the thing that was really beautiful for me to, playing that person going back to that spot in my life is that I was able to go back and sort of fall in love with that person that I was again and like see the value of who I was and things that I'd kind of cut out of my life because I felt that they were you know not acceptable to society or not cool or not going to help me or not of any value it taught me how to like love myself again and like how to live like a weird authentic life in a way and I'm really grateful for it. Um, so it is so, 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 so super cool to hear so many different people um, have a really positive reaction to it. And and I just loved making it with Adam and Kyle. Like, I think that they're exceptional human beings and um, have a great deal to offer. And we just had so much fun and we're family now. Um, so when you make something and you have so much fun and you love it and you love the people so much, it's just so encouraging for it to have positive feedback, I think. I just, I'm full of love today. We love you too. <laughs> it is, it is pretty gushy all the time. It's not, you can't really fake that, but it is. It's gushy, yeah, it's gushy it with is. us all the time. Friggin' disgusting. <laughs> yep. It's pretty gross. Pretty gross, guys. Pretty gross. I also loved Napoleon Dynamite growing up. Absolutely love Napoleon Dynamite. And also, I just recently rewatched The Addams Family, which was like, growing up and it's interesting that like those movies influence me so much because there's a bit of that like macabre and the use of irony and the use of humor and like really disgusting terrible situations oh i watched those like crazy growing up too it's my favorite and i feel like we are obviously so influenced by those in like the way we 
live and act, you know, it's like so obvious now. Only dynamite vibes are strong. <laughs> I still randomly break into the Eat Me song from the sequel, like from summer camp. I'll just randomly walk it around. Turkey? Like, Eat me. Potato bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Emily, you said something that really kind of resonated with me watching this movie was where you, you decided for yourself and learned to love the older version of yourself. I don't know. There's like... I don't know if you noticed a lot wrong with the establishment right now, which makes you feel kind of punk at times. And I definitely throughout the movie was like, yeah, we need to decide who we are. Be punk as fuck. Like punk as fuck is in my head all the time now. Yeah. Very good time for that, that credo and that self analysis you were talking about. I love that Haley. For sure. How did did the three of you come together? Uh, Did you guys know each other before getting cast in these roles? Or was this just, you know, natural chemistry that happened right when you started shooting? Who wants to start this shit show? Who wants to do this? Who wants to go down this path? Kyle and you have the longest history. Yeah, I can start start this shit show and then let's into the the shit show that continues on. So I, um, I... I read for another movie, like, years ago, that it was Ross. Six or seven years ago. Six or seven years ago. Ross was producing that movie, right? Right. Ross, yeah. So Ross, who produced Dinner in America, was also producing that movie. I wasn't right for that movie, but they really liked me. And so they reached out to me and were like, hey, I have this script that's really cool. Do you want to check it out? Like, the director would like you to do it or, you know or talk about it um, I don't know I think it was do it maybe I don't remember anyway so I was like you can send it to me um let me see what's going on I was in the middle of filming a tv show and I had like a brand new baby and it was just absolute madness that like I remember starting to read it in the shower like literally like I I would read where I could get time and space and I was like let me fucking crack this open I guess and I just started like reading it in the shower and then it all fell apart and I was like I gotta get out and I never went back to it because everything was just crazy and I forgot about it cut to years later I'm in Romania with this dude JP uh who was dude who was shooting this movie that I was doing. JP's my boy now. Me and JP, it's JP and KG Adventures. We go hiking. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what he's talking like, about. I have no idea what we, we have a man crush on each other. We love each other. Anyway, JP was shooting this movie that I did, and we were walking to dinner one day, and he was like, oh, man, I was supposed to do this movie. It's super cool. It fell apart. And he's like, you'd actually be great for it. And I was like, what is it? And he said it was called Dinner in America. I was like, that sounds crazy familiar. And he started explaining it to me. And I was like, holy shit. I was sent that years ago. And I typed it into my email and I still had it. I still had the script. And so I read it that night and I called my reps. And I was like, you have to get me on the phone with Adam because I want to do this movie. And so me and Adam like Skype for like three hours while I was in Romania. And it was like 4 a.m. My t- we just were talking about it. And the whole time I was kind of like sheepishly in my head, like, Oh my God, I totally didn't read it. And it's been years now. And I hope he still wants me to do it. Cause I really want to do it. <laughs> and we, uh, we kind of high fived over the phone and we wound up saying, yeah, let's do it. And that was like, it was like a four year journey, basically the making of getting, getting onto the film. And then we can take it on down to Adam and Emily. Mm-hmm. And they can continue the journey. Right? <laughs> You're like a weatherman. Now back to you, Adam. And back to you, Adam. I got a beautiful, I got a beautiful uh, audition tape from, I believe, Emily's agent or manager at the time. I believe it was an agent. And I think the agent, I think she had kind of back-channeled and got it. We, we were casting. I actually had cast. <clears throat> there had been several configurations of the film. And... There was a girl that I had cast and she was, I think she was getting kind of cold, patty cold feet. Sometimes they get patty cold feet. Uh, but Emily had sent this submission and I, w- I hadn't gone with this girl like uh, yet. So I was just still kind of analyzing things and um, still getting some submissions in. And I saw Emily's tape 
and uh, it, first, first and foremost, it was very well shot. It was like, like well executed. It was. Uh, I think was our roommates at DP. Yeah, roommates DP. <laughs> it looked pretty. It looked nice, and it was you know the, the sound was good. But more than that, um, Emily just it was everything. It was her choice of you know delivery, choice of you know costume, the glasses, the the glasses that she wears in the film. I believe she had gone to Walgreens and purchased those and she was wearing them in the audition tape. So those are the same ones. Cause kind of after she locked that, I really couldn't see it any other way. We tried the production designer, Francesca and I and Emily tried to find glasses that fit her face later on. And we weren't able to find things that we liked as much as the original one. So um, her, her tape was just really amazing. And, and I ended up calling her and we just connected right away. We connected right away through music and we were sending each other a bunch of songs and stuff by the, uh, the end of the first night that we had spoken to each other. So there was just a lot of synchronicity and what, what we enjoyed musically. There was just a lot of connection there and just the energy was absolutely right. I just, I felt it right away. Usually you can with casting, you feel it really quick. So uh, with Emily, it was a no brainer and I could, now that we had Simon, I wanted to I wanted to cast Simon first. I wanted to make sure that I cast Simon first, and mm. and, and uh, it it was a no brainer at that point between Emily and Kyle. It just felt it felt totally totally good and correct. So we go with those impulses. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect with Patty. Like no fucking clue. <laughs> Did the roles change much after they were cast? Not script-wise, definitely not. Um, But I do think that everyone has their version of Patty and everyone has their version of Simon, and they're very specific, you know? Thought of there being another iteration of this film, had it gotten a green light and actually went off sooner, is is like messing with my brain right now, because (laughs) I can't picture it, nor do I want to any other way. No, and that's that's again echoing my point on them taking this and making it their own thing. They have clearly done that. They've made their own. They put their stamp on it, and it's you know as as the vessels for it. They've they've done and they've done everything that I could have hoped for and beyond. Like they're they're just wonderful. But uh, I also think a big part of that is a testament to a a the script which you know, which when you see a movie like that with comedy and things like that, you know, you get asked like, so did you guys riff? And was it, it, no, like that was Adam's script. I mean, it was like, we didn't change anything. It was there. And I think if you mess with it, it messes with the tone and the vibe, like the blueprint there, it was perfectly laid out. And then a big part of that, like, a, you know, I think a testament to Adam is, is what I was going to say is like, he trusted me and Emily to do what we were going to do. He let me be the Simon I wanted to be. He let Emily be the Patty that she wanted to be. And he trusted us to, to bring that to the table. He didn't try to like change it or stifle it. He was super open in conversations. Like we would talk about character stuff and we would go over things and play with ideas. And he was super collaborative and super open. And I think that's a huge part of it. Like, the fact that he had so much trust in us only allowed us to like build that trust with him. And we also got like a week, it was a week or 10 days or something. I think it was almost two weeks of rehearsal. Two weeks of rehearsal before we got there. So everything I just said mixed with the two weeks of just being in the space, getting to know each other, do the music, hang out. Like it really just let us all by the time we were on set, it, it, it was, it really just let us unleash and, and let us go. You yeah. Know? We'd built a lot of mutual respect and we built like right. a common language and trust yeah. and we knew what we were making going into it. And that was like a testament to Adam and Kyle and, and me and the producers for being able to say like, yeah, sure. We'll, oh. we'll fly your actors out for two weeks of what, you know? It, right. And I'd love to encourage producers to sort of take that risk a little bit more because I feel like there were so many things that had we not like gone over it together and, and really like found the like core of what we were making, 
there would have been problems that happened on the day that we wouldn't have been able to solve. We would have been probably trying to find Patty and Simon for at least a week or two of filming that it would have been, I think, tricky. Like we were able to be Patty and Simon by the time we showed up, which I think is incredibly important because these characters live in such extremes in a way that like, if you don't feel comfortable in that skin going in, there's no way to do Simon or Patty at 80%. 70 percent you have to be 110 percent in with these characters and it's not just simon and patty it's every single person that came to set was 100 percent game ready to go and ready to play in that sandbox that we had created you know and i and i think that was super important as well it's such a specific tone this film that like if you're not ready to dive in head first yeah it it kind of falls apart you know and i think it's also about being thoughtful with these characters because like even though we never talked about like any sort of like moral angle for the movie i do think it has something to say that's important and so i personally wanted to be really thoughtful about how i portrayed patty so that she wasn't just a joke you know that she we really by the end saw her value and and that that became like really became the core of the movie for me. I didn't see it going in, but having worked with Kyle and Adam and like finding it, we really found it together. You guys are the freaking coolest. I, it, just, it, it seriously is such a pleasure to hear a group of people talking about something they made so enthusiastically, especially when I know you guys have already done a bunch of interviews and you've done the festival stuff right now. It's just, it's, it, kind of is making me love the movie even more than I already <laughs> did and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Perry. Um, you know, casting is everything. From the beginning with it, like if you don't trust your ropes with casting, uh, you're gonna it's it's gonna fall flat. So you you know, like and I and I'm a big believer in casting's ninety percent of it right there. Like you've made that choice. So Kyle was talking about, you know, trust. Well uh, if you're if you're trying if you have to explain things to people and to walk them through and hold their hand and tell them what you that's not that's not making something you know that's not a collaboration you know like that's like being a trained uh, trained animal at that point you know like <laughs> so trusting your actors uh, trusting the people that you cast like there is let let's just talk about uh, a good example I use is Truffaut with like the three films, you know, the film that you write, the film that you shoot and the film that you edit. They're all three completely different films. So you write this thing and you, you cast it. They bring their own energy in. They bring their own energy into the project and you need to, at that point, submit. You're going to have to submit to that, that little thing that you've thought of as Simon and that thing that you've thought of uh, of this patty, it's now different. It's now different than the initial thing that you were thinking of because as, as a writer, you're writing this stuff and you envision a certain thing. And, you know, Kyle's talking about haircuts and jackets and Emily's, you know, it's like glasses and this and that. And it just morphs into the, what it's going to be. And then you execute that. And, you know, and then in post, it's an entirely new film. It's an entirely new film with all sorts of options because now you're, controlling pacing and you're controlling rhythm and you're controlling, you know, what's on screen, what's off screen, like music cues, like the music was so very important to this film and finding something that would bubble this thing from front to back in this kind of unique way that we hadn't seen before. Um, Cause the, the, the bullshit way to do this movie is to put wall to wall punk music on it. I mean, that would be so stupid. It wouldn't make any sense. Um, initially, I had thought about doing acoustic drums, um, having like this kind of, you know, having like a kind of a more kind of a jazz drummer do a lot of improvisational kind of drum stuff and then like get these big beats and like, you know, have when Simon's marching across the frame, have that stuff playing. But um, John Swihart, the composer that I worked with on this, uh, he convinced me pretty early on in post to experiment with like drum machines and kind of EDM sounding stuff. And uh, him and his team were sending me really cool stuff. And I was like, wow, this, this makes a lot more sense. It contrasts that punk kind of mentality and, and it, and, but it was still lo-fi and low tech enough to, um, 
just feel specific to this film and this vibe. And I, I just think it's a, it, it offsets the, the punk vibe in a really fun and inventive way. And so I really, Swihart's contribution is, is really strong and Isaac's contribution really strong. I just love uh, what they were able to do with the music. And then on top of that, just kind of pulling melody out of the mix in this thing. So we're never holding the audience's hand and saying, you need to feel this right now. You need to feel that. Like, you know, music hits you here, you know, um, you know, words hit you here, music hits you here. And um, we just, we didn't want to direct people like how they should feel. So it's very neutral and rhythmical. And it just, it just creates this constant, like every time I love when every time Simon starts to go, like there's that like cycling sound of like drums start <laughs> kind of rolling and we just know he's about to go there passes that torch on to Patty at the end. And we start to hear those when the, when the girls are talking to her on the bus, we start to hear that kind of rolling thing. So um, I don't know where, where I'm going with Wait, all of this. Adam, I have a question. I have yeah, a question for you. Do you think that there, it kind of needs to be revised that style of thinking? Like, do you feel like that there's a fourth version of the movie that like after you put it out into the world and people start reacting to it and like drawing their own? For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it, that's, that's, and that's the disappointing part as a filmmaker, especially amidst a pandemic, uh, you have had this premiere and you have a lot of momentum and then it gets cut, you know? So that's, you know, part of, for me, part of the process, like this is my downtime as I start to develop the next project that I'm going to do. Um, part of that is like, you know, purging that last thing. And, and how you purge it is, you know, festival circuits and screenings and all of that type of thing. So um, that part's been disappointing. I love being able to do it this way, though. It's, so don't get me wrong. I'm glad that we can, we can still have these opportunities. But, uh, you know. You're I, purging us? Purging you. We're never going to hear from them again. <laughs> never. No, they're like, Emily said they're family. They're in the, they're in the, the troop now. So it's, it's just, you know. You, you take the pieces and you, I know what I, I know what I can get. And I know what, I know it would excite me to do with Emily, what to do with Kyle. Like, you know, so I, I, I know that we'll work together plenty in, in our careers. So uh, I just, I, I think the world of them. Um, and I would just, I, I plan to keep utilizing them as the amazing vessels they are. I just learned the Greek word for vessel. What? And geo. I just started um, horticulture classes. I'm very gardening right now. I'm like, do we have time to have a garden talk? Yeah, we should have a garden talk at some point. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a sort of specific question going back to something you said, because the movie is so rooted in music. And I love that you brought up that specific music cue, which does feel like if someone got in your head when you're about to freak out, that's what yeah, it would yeah. sound like. Yeah. But um, what, what were the music the songs or bands or whatever that you guys were kind of trading around when you were trying to find the right space together. I'm curious what music brought you together and inspired you to find this specific tone. I made mixtapes for both of them. They're A and B side, Simon and Patty mixtapes. So they, and they got each other's tapes too, but you know, um, just a wide assortment. It, it was not always, it's not, it's not like I gave them mixtapes, just punk rock. It's uh, you know, I put them in, I take the time to crossfade everything. And I do, you know, I make, I make like little musical journeys and I always do that with every project. I always uh, make tapes. I find music is the instant unifier, you know, with, with actors and stuff. So if you can connect with them on that level, especially in a project like this, where there's musical elements, well, Emily's was skewed a bit more for these kind of singer songwriter things, you know, as obviously what you see in the, in, in the, in the film with what happens in the basement and whatnot, you know, yeah, <laughs> believe me, I was, <laughs> the part. I, me and the, and, and the producers were all on, <laughs> on the day. It was, a, it was a good one. You know, it's not Emily though. It's Kyle. Kyle was the Kyle. one that, that like Emily's was like this beautiful thing. And I was like, so proud of her, but Kyle was the one that like made me cry. <laughs> made me cry. <laughs> You broke me. These kids have broken me. They have just like, there's, I cried more over the, over this film than I did in my entire adult life. I cried in post-production all the time with these just 
the nuances of their performance, what they gave, they gave so much, they gave so much. And that's so just cool to see. And it's so cool to work on. It's such a gift when you have options and it's such a gift when they're thoughtful options for you. So it's, you can kind of go this way, you can go that way. And that's what, you know, that third phase of making the film is just so um, crucial um, because all of that decision-making, you know, is upon you at that point. And every frame matters and literally every frame matters. Like it, it, if things are off by one or two frames, the whole thing's off. It's, it's, it just compounds and you, so it really, it's about, you know, just attrition and whittling things down. Um, so they're smooth and clean. And, um, the film is an hour and 46, uh, no, it's an hour 46 and it's, it's breezy. It's buoyant. There's a buoyancy and a bounce to it um, that, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with. Like it, people tell me all the time, shit, it's over already. Wow. Like we want, you know, one of the things at the Q&A that we always got at the live Q&As was, is there going to be more? We want to see a continuation of these characters. We want, I, I, it's over. It can't be over. I want to see more. I want to see more Simon and Patty. And that's, to me, that's the only compliment that really matters with this is that, when this is a film, it's it's something for you to watch. When it's done, people want more. That's really cool. I finished it and then started it over. <laughs> I am not ready to leave yet. Nice. Wow. I think I should like make a Spotify playlist or something so people can at least like, well, we can kind of hang out and listen to music. <laughs> that would be like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that to me is the the biggest compliment I've had on the film is that people just want to see more. They want more of that. They want to see more Simon and Patty. So I can hear this when you talk about the film, just your editor brain kind of always yeah. going off. I'm curious for, for you, uh, Emily and Kyle, can you feel that while you're filming with him on set? I don't, uh, well. I think yes, in the fact that he's very specific. Like it very much felt like you knew what you wanted and you knew what was usable. And that made it very easy as an actor, I think, to do it because it wasn't like we were just sort of making this thing and then giving it over to someone and hoping that they would uh, do it justice. Like we really created every moment of it together as a group, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. Adam knew exactly what he needed and what would work. Well. Yeah. No, I agree with that because I've worked with some editors. Sorry, I've worked with some editor directors who just like get in your fucking way the whole time because they're like focused on stuff where it's like, but the cheeseburger. You're like, I'm not worried about that right now. I sometimes am personally worried about the cheeseburger. Like, if a cheeseburger is going to get in the way of my performance, I don't want that to happen. So, like, I I want to have that dialogue, you know. yeah. No, but Sorry, Adam, Kyle, Adam not never to throw really... you under the cheeseburger bus. No, I think we're saying the same thing in two <laughs> yeah. different ways. Yeah. But no, like Adam just no, I never felt like Adam's editor brain was ever intrusive. I feel like the way he used it was actually kind of a welcomed kind of weapon, you know, kind of gift to the performance of it never felt like we did anything we didn't need to do. It never felt like we were getting burnt out on somebody who didn't know what they wanted. So he was just going to beat it to death. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like, this is what we need. This is what we're going to do. And this is what we got. And because I felt comfortable with Adam, I was like, great. I trust, trust that. Trust. I, I, I like to hang out on the film plane. So I, I never, there's no such thing as the video village for me. I'm on the film plane and I have a small camera um, that I look to check focus with my AC. So I do that on the film plane. So I'm right there with them. So it's a little bit different shooting style. It's not something back. I don't, I don't call out bullshit from way back somewhere else. It's, it's very, very present. And um, that helps a lot. Uh, Also too, my background's in camera, you know, and editorial. So for me, as long as I'm, I'm logging everything as I'm watching it, uh, like through my small monitor that it's a handheld monitor and I watch everything there, but I peripherally can still feel them. Like uh, I'm not on the exact same, you know, axis, but it's close. And uh, that's super important to me to feel that from them right there, but also to see it. And once it, once it goes through and I actually can see it, it's, it's like a check mark. It's like a check mark and I can feel it. Now, there's a little a funny anecdote about the first scene that the kids actually did together. Um, you guys remember the first shot? 
Yes. We did a wide shot of where Simon walks up to Patty in the alley. That was their first thing together. It wasn't what we see in the, in the film, I believe, the finish edit. We see, we see the zooms up to Simon on the escape and down to Patty in the cop car. And it does that whole thing. And when the cop car leaves, you know, she looks up. We had a whole walk up and a whole thing that happened. And I just, I just jumped forward in time a, a little bit and pre-lapped the audio. But um, I originally shot a wide shot and I knew that I was not going to use it. I knew that I was not going to use it. Like I just wasn't because JP and I boxed ourselves until I like to, I like to box myself into corners and we boxed ourselves into a corner on, on that particular scene. And we just wanted to do this shot reverse shot thing. We did that a lot in the film. There was, there was definitely a motif there. Um, But we did this, this take and Simon walks up to Patty and gets right in her face. And spatially we see how close they get. And I just did one take of it, and we, I said, well, okay, we're, that was great. We're moving on. And they looked at each other like, wait, wait, no, wait, what? Like, they couldn't believe that we were moving on. And, and Kyle, like, came over, and he was like, no, I can do that better. I could, Emily was, like, telling me shit. And I said, no, I got it. We're moving on. I just want to set that tone with them, that that's what this is going to be like on this film. Like, <laughs> it's going to be like this. Be on. We're going, you know? And so it – you know, those are tricks that you play sometimes, things that you do, but that that gets actors on point. They know that they are not going to have a lot of wiggle room with you, that we're not going to be extravagant with takes, that this is an independent film and time is money and it's going to be like that. So thought I would share that. I don't think I've shared that before. You I, haven't actually, I Adam. used his head games. And- yeah. Oh, yeah, head games, 100%. <laughs> Kyle, yes, you have to get... In those actor brains and head games a little. My first indie as, film, I don't know, it's no money. Yeah, as if actors don't also <laughs> play head games. Right, right. <laughs> but that's the tone. The tone for the yeah. film is where we where we should already, you know, we don't have time. And it's just time is money. And it's, it's like... Good, it, gave, it gave us a first chance to get face-to-face, get the words out. And then, yeah. Correct. And I appreciate knowing that, you know, I appreciate... No oh, that next shot with Kyle coming because we switched and we did Kyle's walk up after that. It was mm. like he was like he was like so on from it, like just angry and aggressive and like you know it was great. I like love that part. So it's good seeing him. Oh, then there was all this bullshit. We like we had done like mostly like exterior shit that didn't matter for the first part of the day, like and then it gets to the meatiest part of it. And there's like a woman playing like it was a piano, right? It was like no, just music. It was music. She was right. blasting music. Things right were reverberating in the alley. There was some other ding dong playing a piano on the other side at some point. It, it was, was like it was crazy. Things. It was just like all at once. You know? We got producers banging on doors on the third floor floor of some apartment building, giving people a hundred bucks to stop playing music for you know thirty minutes so we can do the scene. You brought up time. And money. Sometimes we play this game, would you rather, and it's all filmmaking, would you rather questions. And one of the ones that I ask a lot is, would you rather have enough time, but not enough money, or enough time, time, Time. not enough money? I think I said that right. I'll take time any day because uh, the money, like for, I mean, unless you're doing some big visual effects thing, I'll take time over money at any, any time. I need less people less everything it takes a lot it takes a lot less than you think most of the time you can do things very stripped down technology is in a wonderful place today like with everything um i say i say less less impact you know uh more time always i will always take time over money there's projects there's projects that i have you know i wouldn't say i've shot myself on the in the foot with but there's projects that i've had set up that it comes down to time and somebody trying to cram things in 15 days. And I'm just like, no, I'm not fucking doing it. No, I'm not like, I'd rather not do, I'd rather not make the film. I'm not in that position where I want to make bad stuff that, you know, I want to cram it in this really short amount of time. Um, it works for some things, but not everything, not the, the film in question that I had set up. It, it, it was not something that you do that despite the page count. People look at, they treat, you know, 
you get a line producer going through and everything's just a number on a fucking page. Well, that's not, that's not filmmaking. That's, it's not even close. So time over money always. I know we are going to run out of time eventually, but I do want to talk about the garage scene because I know if I had just seen this movie and was going to watch a post Q and I'd be very annoyed if it wasn't discussed. And you guys, Adam and Emily wrote this beautiful song together. That's been stuck in my head for nine weeks now. Just talk about where that came from the process and then not just the process of writing the song but turning that into a satisfying emotional beautiful romantic lovely sexy banging moment i'll let the kids talk about the banging moment yeah, I meant like this, no, no 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 banging no uh, whatever but, but i will say this in this film it was so crucial for simon like we go this whole movie when this guy performs he has to deliver. Otherwise, everything that's happened up into this is just a load of shit. It's just like, ugh. Nothing worse than seeing a film and the music doesn't deliver and it's about musicians. So that part, the authenticity factor absolutely had to, you know, be on point. The same with the song they write. It's an eighth of a page in the script, you know? She belts out this song. It's amazing, you know, kind of thing. So, what does that mean? That had everybody always worked up. Like, what's this song going to be? Like, mm-hmm. and I kept saying to everyone, well, when we cast it and we have the vessel for it, then we will determine what the song is, but we can't do it until we have that. It's not some prefab thing that I'm going to like write with a, you know, somebody in a, in a studio somewhere, some generic experience. It has to be the actual actors. That's, that's how I work and that's what needs to happen for it. So if the song isn't fantastic in that moment, the whole film doesn't work. The whole thing does not work. Like if that song sucks, this film doesn't work. If the, if when Simon plays the punk show, if that sucks, it does not work the entirety of it. So, you know, that's a lot for it to hinge on, but I feel very passionate about delivering on that. So I, you know, I did my homework. I did the, uh, you know, what I needed to do um, to ensure that we would have that for the film. So I will, Kyle, you can talk about punk. Emily, you can talk about Watermelon. We got to uh, Detroit and um, I think we were, we were in the studio within the first 48 hours. Uh, uh, There was this cool recording studio that was in an old church. This, um, this great band called Disco Assault did the music for PSYOPs. And we went to the, um, we went to the studio And, you know, they laid down like scratch vocals and stuff. And then we within, was it a day or two days? Did we do it all? We did, we did two sessions. We did two sessions. Yeah, we did two sessions. sessions. So I did two sessions of laying down the, um, the vocals. Yeah. Um, which is what you hear in the movie. Mine was pretty much like, I just, they, they had already written the music. I just had to come in and play. Um, and then as for the, um, the punk show at the end of it, I got really, really lucky where Disco Assault was actually playing a show in Detroit in like this old bank that they've turned into a punk venue. That had been abandoned. Yeah, it's like an abandoned bank. It's it's not like it's like, hey, we got this bank and we did it up really cool. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like somebody fucking just ripped everything out of there. It's a shell of a bank. And they're like, we got this stage and it's like generator shows and this is what we do. So... Um, they called me up and I got to perform with them. I got to do a song with them, which was really cool. You know, it kind of gave me the the vibe and, and give me an idea of what I wanted to do for the final performance. Like luckily this type of music and this world is not foreign to me. Um, you know, I grew up listening to punk and hardcore music. I've been to punk shows and hardcore shows and you know, all of that. I've been in, you know, my fair share of mosh pits and, and, um, and so that, that, energy and that thing and you know performance style and and things like that is not like super unknown to me so it was actually like really fun it was basically like 17 year old me getting to live his like punk rock fantasy you know what i mean um so they introduced you as simon yeah and they introduced me as simon which is pretty funny they introduced me as simon from psyops which is pretty hilarious and a Um, couple people came up and were like oh yeah i've heard your band dude hell yeah 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 Uh, so that was that was incredibly fun. It was super cool. I'm, I have a background in theater, um, and uh, I am a singer of sorts. I sort of feel like I have a bit of like a um, 
I know imposter syndrome that I'm working out. Don't worry. Yeah, but finger <laughs> of sorts. You're such an imposter. That's not a word that I would ever pick for you. An imposter? Are you finger of sorts? No, I know. We all have our, you know, we all have our hang I heard you but... at the rap party. You are not a singer of sorts. Yeah, she's okay. not a singer of sorts. No, what the hell was that? Yeah, what was she singing? Uh I'm fucking blondie, dude. I no, forget all me. Huh? Call me, call me. It's my favorite karaoke song. Jesus Christ! All of a sudden, I was like, because I'd only because you know how some people are like really good singers. They like never sing, or like some of them are like always kind of singing themselves. And you're like, okay, cool. And then I've heard I heard Emily do the watermelon song. Cut to the rap party, and she's just like belting it out. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> like completely blew my mind to hear you like go full out. It was that amazing. was what was so cool about getting to write the song with Adam is like the song is such an ASMR punk song, you know, and my my background is belting it out like I would my preference would be like screaming like Simon, you know, and like Blondie. But this Patty's very specific. And like, so that was super cool to sit down with Adam. And I'd never written like a song to fruition. I have like old journals from middle school that have like really embarrassing lyrics in them that never got put to song. And I've always wanted to write a song. So it was super cool. And Adam, you know, we had, we had a talk and he was like, the role's yours. And by the way, we're writing a song together. So bring some stuff, <laughs> you know? And I, I wrote sort of like stream of consciousness, Patty poetry and Adam and I sat down in Yorg's studio and uh, kind of went through all the lyrics and um, kind of riffed. Cherry picked. We cherry picked some stuff that was like clever and fun. And, you know, uh, that was exciting to see what she had come up with. And, you know, everything, almost everything there, like, was actually on the page. We had a few fun things that we added in, like the the dum-dum and tongue-tongue stuff. But uh, no, your line was, I'm a tongue in your eardrum. But we kind of, we did this like baby girl thing where we kind of repeated words and it was fun, um, more sing-songy. Yeah. But the thing for me was just character-wise for Patty, it was about, and I knew, I knew Emily could sing. I had, I had seen some things. I had seen some things from Broadway. I had like, so I yeah I knew that she could do it. Friggin' Tony Award nominee. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of a singer. I'm okay. kind of a singer. I'm a singer of sorts. I'm, so a I'm of kind sorts. of a singer. I sing in the fucking car. I'm working <laughs> on it. All right, I'm working. I appreciate on the it. arts. I appreciate the arts. You know. Yeah. So it was about because because Emily can do this. It was about bringing it way back here to like way back. You know. And just being like a bird, like just emitting a pure sound. And it was, it was like, for me, it was like listening to the, you know, the birds in the morning and uh, just the purity of that. And just this, this like singular pure sound just being emitted from her. So. And the strength in that, you know, the strength in being quiet and fragile and vulnerable, I think is cool. Because it cut through. We designed something simplistic and kind of undulating and there was just this 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 like really clean pure thing that just came out of it so you know i mean that it was it was amazing it was amazing to to do the punk stuff with kyle and and disco assault i i just i absolutely love that and and i don't know if you do you remember that while we were recording the stuff kyle had blown his voice out too like prior to even getting to detroit his voice was already gone because he, he called me one day. And, and I was practicing. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with your voice? He's like, yeah, I'm yelling in my car and I'm screaming and, and I don't think I know how to do this right. Cause like, I, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I can hook you up with a few people that I know, like, dude, don't ruin your voice. And like, I mean, mixed with what he, the damage he already did when he arrived, plus all the fucking cigarettes he had to smoke yeah. in the movie. It's like it, it, his voice, he can tell you, it was like an octave lower than where it was. It was like down. I mean, I was yeah. like stuck here. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was crazy. It was like stuck there. It was nuts. My favorite thing, though, that I love, which I think is such a good compliment, or not, it compliments the song versus the line, is I think the song is so perfect for somebody who goes, oh, you know, it's just songs I write in my head. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. It's the song I write in my head. <laughs> I love that line. I write in my head. That cracks me up every time. What, is, what does he say? You're, you write oh, your finger, huh? Is it? What? You write songs? Or you sing oh, songs? Yeah, it's like, so you're a singer, yeah. huh? Oh, you're a yeah. singer, huh? Yeah. Like, what do you sing? Oh, you know, little <laughs> songs I write in my head. <laughs> I love that because, like, an artist, like, I think a lot of people wouldn't consider themselves artists that should be artists, you know? Oh, and she just claims it. She's like, yeah, this is what I do. Yeah, I just sing in my head, but that still makes me a singer. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so awesome. I can't believe we've been talking for an hour, and I feel like there's so much more that we could right. ask you about right now. We do always end the show with two very specific questions, though, so I don't want to leave that out. But um, also, Kyle, I'll give you an out here. I'm desperate to include a third question, and it's because I might be sitting next to a cat named Deputy Dewey. Oh. And I might, I don't know if you could see it. It's like behind a camera here, but that might be Deputy Dewey's name tag from Scream 4. I'm not trying to get you into any trouble here, but as... As an absolute diehard fan of that franchise, that first movie is my second favorite movie of all time. Oh, wow. what, would you, what would you tell a Scream fan who is like, oh no, are they going to live up to my hopes and expectations with this new one? Yeah, yeah actually, yes. Yes, and I'm, I'm the first one who will be like, well, you know. No, 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 it's um, what I found really, really cool about the script is there's a lot of like that kind of magic that the first one had which is really cool. I think the people who love the original are going to really dig this. So I feel like that was the best thing you could have said right now. I am satisfied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take, take a breath on that. <laughs> I feel like I got so, that was like the most nervous I've ever been for an answer. <laughs> I have a lot of faith in Tyler because I, I love ready or not. And I've known Tyler for many years and I, I, I know it's going to be good. So I'm excited. So it's a great cast. It's like it's, it's cool. It's going to be cool for sure. Ellie, do you want to do you want to pick one of the two? Yes, because I haven't got to do this one in a while. Do you guys have any pets? <laughs> Very important question. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, Adam, you should start. Well, right now there's a beta fish in the makeshift school in our basement. Uh, his Ooh. name is Galileo. Franklin Galileo down there. And then I have a, a male praying mantis in the next room that uh, has a missing leg that my boys and I found on a trail the other day when we were hiking. So we've got him back. I'm hoping there might be a new one after the molt. I don't know. Regardless, he's got a place. He's in a terrarium. I might have to go get him real quick and bring him in. So Yeah, I think you should. Okay. I think right. we're totally open to show and tell right now. Yeah. I'm trying to find my little monster. I swear, Deputy Dewey did exist. <laughs> I He's love here. Deputy Dewey. Oh. Oh. Uh, a big highlight of my life was when Deputy, <laughs> this Deputy Dewey got to meet David Arquette when he came into our studio for an interview, and they have a picture together. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Come here, little Satan. Come here, Beelzebub. I love your cat. Your cat <laughs> is... <gasps> he is... That's Bud. Oh, Bud. <laughs> he is a little monster and I love him so he is a he's a child of Satan he is a fallen angel excellent um he's cruel but he loves he, he loves me so <gasps> wow Adam it's like he's waving at us saying hi Perry I, I, I would totally like to meet you that's Indiana oh my god what is what is Indiana schnauzer he's a Muppet werewolf <laughs> He's my big, he's my big Muppet werewolf dog. Aww. I miss him. I miss my kids, too. Do you have pets? <laughs> Do you guys have pets other than Deputy? Dude, he looks good, man. My mantis? My mantis is solid. Like Your mantis is big. I didn't find any big ones this year. Our fig tree just had little ones. But, dude, the coolest thing, I was on the phone FaceTiming with Leo, and there's this. we have this mantis on the tree, and he always stays in the same spot, so I would find him every day. And I was going to show Leo, and as I put the camera up, he pulled himself out of his skin. He <gasps> like he had molted. He got to watch him literally pull himself out the last like little bit. 
Wow. We got to watch him molt. It was really cool. I've never seen that in person. I'm hoping the leg regenerates. He is not even close to Rebecca. Rebecca was uh, my last year mantis, and she was amazing. And she had many, many babies that my wife and I had to take care of in the middle of winter in Michigan. Uh, but Rebecca was probably double this size. She was about this long. And uh, she was killer. I just love Rebecca. She's in a box up up there. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a Viking burial, a Viking burn for her at some point. We haven't done it yet. Just can't bring myself yet. But uh, I think you guys just won the the pet question. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we do have one more go to. So yeah. we open this up to any medium at all. But what is something that you guys have recently found within the genre that you would recommend people check out? podcast, movie, TV show, book, you name it, anything at all. I want to plug that uh, that new 4K transfer of this that Severin did of uh, Buddy Giovinazzo's Combat Shock. Big fan right here. And uh, I, I have it sitting on the shelf. I've not watched the 4K transfer yet, but uh, I actually have a print from Buddy on 16 here at the house. So uh, I do watch that, and it's, it's, it's glorious. It's a uh, it's one of two in North America. I think Mitch Davis has the other one. So um, I guess I might have to, I might have to do, I might have to do Mantis movie night and take Manti as my son calls him down for a combat shock screening. So I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug buddies that new 4k transfer. I get a lot of my horror from true crime podcasts and, you know, the horror of reality. But I really, really love um, Snapped Judgments Spooked with Glenn Washington. If anyone's heard of that, anybody? Spooked? Oh, my God. First of all, he's amazing. He's such a great host and storyteller. And then they get real people to tell their stories of, like, horror which is so exciting like either like attacks or um like otherworldly supernatural stuff and uh it's really great kyle what you got for us you're not plugging scream you're in trouble (laughs) i don't know i don't like watch anything or read anything anymore (laughs) i'm like stuck i'm like not stuck but i'm so busy like with the kids and everything that i feel like i don't watch watching What are the kids watching? Yeah, anything interesting? Adam's Family? They've seen Adam's Family. Like, Oliver's favorite movie for a while was, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, he, they've, they've seen all sorts of, like, stuff. Yeah, wow. they've seen all sorts of things. I don't know. Honestly, anything new, anything I'm into, I, I, I'm just trying to stay alive, guys. <laughs> you don't have to have any recommendations as long as you keep giving us stuff to watch. There's, yeah. there's your out. <laughs> I'll do I'll do that. Check out uh, Scream when it comes out. You can do that. Yeah, that's not going to be a problem for me. Yeah, we got it. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. If you guys couldn't tell, we're huge fans of your movie. And just a big congratulations to everybody out there. Do keep an eye out for Dinner in America. Do the three of you have any personal social media handles you want to plug, a Twitter, Instagram, anything at all? Sure, I'm at Ed Skeggs. I'm not verified, and I don't care. But you can follow me, and you'll see lots of pictures of plants and occasionally a picture of my face. But mostly, I'm just like this. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't show my face. <laughs> what am I? I'm at Kyle G Face on Instagram, and I think I'm just Kyle Gallner on Twitter. I'm super hard to find, uh, but I just, I've, I've have three boys and I've just, I've lost, uh, I just, I, I, I don't right now. Plus most of the things I read are just upsetting. So I try to distance myself right now. I think we need to normalize like mysteriousness about people. Like, I think we all deserve a little bit of mystery to ourselves just for a little bit. Yeah. I can wholly embrace that. Speaking of that, Haley, where can everyone find you on social media and your work? You can watch me never tweet at Haley Fouch, and you can watch me never post pictures on Haystack and Peruvian on Instagram. <laughs> you can see lots of pictures of Deputy Dewey on my Instagram, at PNamoroff. That's it, guys. We are out of here. You have officially survived the witching hour.
Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 it's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 